The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss launching a new brand within an established company. Joining us is Eric Toda, who is a marketing exec that has worked at some of the world's highest profile brands, including Facebook, Nike, Snap, Airbnb, and most recently as the head of marketing at Hill City, which is a men's active apparel brand owned by Gap Inc. Today, Eric is going to tell us about how he approached launching a new brand inside of a large company. Okay, here's our interview with Eric Toda, a men's apparel expert and former head of marketing at Hill City. Eric, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Exciting to have you on this show. You've worked at some of my favorite companies and some of the most well-recognized ones. And I will go on the record saying that my family is a Gap Inc. family. My wife has worked for Banana Republic as an RMP and at Old Navy. So it seems like we have a lot of common friends. And I know that you recently left Hill City and Gap Inc., but looks like we have a lot of people that we've known in common and a lot of interest in the Gap Inc. brands. Yeah, it's a small world. It absolutely is. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience and first off, how you landed in the position of head of marketing at Hill City. Tell us a little bit about your background. My background is pretty straightforward for the most part. Started my career at Facebook in 2008. From there, I went to Nike to be the director of digital brand for the NFL, NCAA, and Major League Baseball. And that's really where I cut my teeth in marketing and where I learned the most about brand marketing and the power of brand and storytelling. I took those learnings and brought it to Snapchat, where we launched things like Discover, where we launched things like Our Stories. And then from there, I went to Airbnb to oversee all social and editorial content. So really anything that has a pixel in marketing, like my team looked after. And because of my digital background and because of the companies that I've been a part of, Gap Inc. reaches out towards the end of my time at Airbnb. They bring to me an opportunity to launch the first, not just the first brand for Gap Inc. in over a decade, but the first direct-to-consumer brand, digital only for Gap Inc. So that was a really big undertaking, really exciting. But the reason why they asked me was because of my thorough digital background, but also my heavy, heavy focus in brand and storytelling. Most legacy brands, they've established their brand decades in the past. So marketing and brand isn't as important to them. But when you're launching a new company for a legacy brand, brand is upfront. Brand is very important because you need to cut through a, a very crowded marketplace. So I saw that as a once-in-a-career opportunity to be the head of marketing for Hill City. 
It's interesting to me that you worked at some relatively new, innovative companies, mostly on the technology side. I'll exclude Nike out of this, but Facebook, Snap, Airbnb, all companies that have launched within the last 15, I guess, 20 years, maybe in Facebook's case, but technology-driven companies focused on the brand. And then you went to Gap Inc., which was founded in 1969. And it was more of a traditional brick and mortar play. Talk to me about the experience working for Gap Inc., a company with very established brand presence and also a company with an established routine and type of business. When I went to Gap Inc., I received a lot of questions, some criticism, but a lot of questions of why Gap Inc., why leave tech, why leave the fast paced nature of tech, because that's what I've done and I'm used to. And my answer to everyone was, that's exactly why. I wanted to do something different. I wanted an experience that a tech marketer like myself has never received. And that experience was doing something for a legacy brand that is significantly older than me, that isn't known necessarily for brand, and doing something very digital, which they aren't necessarily known for either. And that was exciting to me because that experience would be once in a career. I would also get to build. And that's what I've always been passionate about is building. So doing something for Gap Inc. that was out of the ordinary for me, but also challenging what's always been done for them was exciting. But it was also an experience I don't think I would ever receive again in my career. I always believed that there's an open door for me in a technology company in Silicon Valley, but I don't think there's always an open door to do something for a company that's decades older than me. The ongoing joke in the Shapiro household has been, you know, Gap Inc. for people that aren't familiar with it. Obviously, there's the Gap brand, but they also own Banana Republic, which has been around forever. Old Navy is really the cash cow and the biggest growth source for Gap Inc. And then Athleta, which is a women's apparels brand, is really the fastest growing brand. So the joke in the Shapiro household has been for the last few years that Gap Inc. needs to launch Athleto, which would be the men's spinoff of Athleta. Obviously, you didn't name the brand Athleto. You named it Hill City. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts when you came into Gap Inc. about spinning off a men's apparel brand that is something similar to Athleta, but you took a different path in terms of the name, the design. Give me the brand story and how did you come up with the name Hill City? I don't want to disappoint you, but unfortunately, Athleto wasn't in the consideration set for the names, but I can see where you came to that. So when they brought me and a few others in as the founding team for Hill City, and at that time, it was called Nothing, we had to assess the market and we had to assess why we were even doing this. And what we saw was that Athleta has an amazing community of women who are very proud of that community and very proud of that brand. And it would behoove us to say, okay, you're so proud of this brand. This is a community for you. Now we're going to introduce men into it. That would seem a little bit unnatural. You see other companies like Lululemon, where they have Lululemon men now. And that brand, I think, is still trying to figure out how do they separate men from women because it originally started as a women's brand. So we saw that as a cue to say, okay, we could do it like that. Or why don't we just create the brand for him? So if we got to the decision to create the brand for him, how do we represent everything that we would like to see in a brand for him that is not represented in today's day and age? So we started to assess the market. We started to assess what brands for him stand for, what brands for him stand for in previous generations, and what we want this brand to stand for today and into the future. And Hill City was a name that represented the progress and ideals of San Francisco, sure, but it also represented the line 
which is outdoors, which is urban. You have your full suite of apparel that satisfies anything that you do throughout your day, whether you are on a mountain hiking or whether you are in the office in a board meeting. So Hill City definitely represents that progress. It represents the more modern man, but it's also the brand for him versus a shared brand with her. So it sounds like you were not only trying to create a clear differentiation from the traditional Gap brands, but also separating from Athleta. When you did your market research, how much did you look at not only what the internal brands were positioning themselves to be, but how much did you look at the outside? You mentioned Lululemon. There's an influx of micro brands. Talk to me a little bit about your differentiation and who were some of the brands that you were thinking about when you figured out how you wanted to position yourself? Well, quite frankly, we didn't look at any of the brands internally. And the reason is because we wanted to create something different. We wanted to create a feeling of newness. So what we looked at more so is outwards. What do brands represent today? How do they move? How do they talk? What type of language that they use? And is that representative of the brand that we want? And we do live in a day and age of like micro brands where everybody's attacking like a specific target audience. What we wanted to represent was not just a specific target audience, but an evolution of an entire gender. And that's what we saw as an opportunity because if you look at what male marketing was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had commercials where people sprayed things on their body and women jumped all over them. You want to talk about toxic masculinity. That's it in and of itself, like right there. Let me go on the record as saying that's not how it works. <laughs> the thing is, it's like as a 13-year-old boy, when I saw that, I was like, it's going to work, but it doesn't. But it starts to develop in, in your mind an expectation. Or if you drive the red muscle car, you'll get the girl or you'll be successful. Those types of expectations that are ingrained in you at an early age because there's no awareness, there's no self-awareness from the brand, create something like the Me Too movement. That is a direct outcome from that. So when we were looking at what we wanted this brand to represent, we wanted to represent something way past that. We wanted to represent what we consider success now, what we consider high performance now. And we didn't say, if you put these clothes on, you're going to get the girl. But we say, if you put these clothes on, you represent something bigger. And that's what we started to develop. And that's sustainability, responsibility, doing more with your time, whether that's getting an exercise in or hanging out with your family. Like To us, that's what success means. So when we built the brand, we didn't want it to represent some archaic version of masculinity. We wanted to really showcase what the evolution of masculinity was. And I think that you're starting to see a lot of other brands take that cue and start to develop that type of story for their communities. So I think built into that is who your customer is. I think of the, you mentioned toxic masculinity. If you spray on, I'll use Axe body spray as an example. It's the first one that comes to mind. Spray on Axe body spray, girls are going to be flocking to you. That's also a brand that's positioned to a much younger demographic than what I assume Hill City is targeting. My guess is that you're going after the late 20s to 50-year-old uh, man, somebody that is actually a man, not a teen or somebody who's developing their sense of self. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. 
1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How do you think about who your customer is and how did you figure out what was the right fit? We kind of laid it up for me right there. I think that the boys that saw a commercial like that or saw a commercial where, again, like you rarely see these today, but they saw a commercial of if you drive a truck, you're a boss, that kind of language. Those boys grew up to be men. And those men now realize that those messages are wrong. And that's my audience right there. The people that grew up understanding that those types of messages, that type of representation, that type of inequality is completely astray. So whether that means you're just entering your 20s or whether that means you're just entering into your 40s, you probably saw something that I'm referencing. You probably were exposed to something that kind of seemed a bit outdated. And what we're trying to represent is your evolution, not our evolution, because we're brand new, but it's to represent the story of your evolution, of you saying, hey, you know what? That's not right. Or, hey, you know what? This is what I stand for. That's the type of brand that we built to say, here's our audience. And our audience isn't like a target demographic. It is the evolution of that psychographic that was exposed to archaic messaging. So I understand where you're going in terms of trying to modernize the message of marketing towards men and specifically the importance of of health and the outdoor lifestyle. It seems like there's a wide variety of brands that are trying to do a similar thing. Everything from, you know, at the macro level, Nike. And I mentioned before the micro influencers, there's a handful of brands. My personal favorite is Miles Apparel. There's Roan, I think, is another one. There's another set of athletic brands that are taking a similar approach to marketing. How do you think Hill City was differentiated from the sort of macro brand and then the micro apparel brands as well? That's a tough one. And you do mention a really good brand, and that's Miles, which is owned by Taylor Stitch, which I'm an advisor for. It's tough to break through because there's so much noise. There's so much logos everywhere. And that was our cue to say, there is a fatigue for logos right now. I'll tell you that. And that fatigue is not being shown very much in the men's space. You still have these big logos on your chest. You still have these big logos on your socks and all that. And that prohibits you from using that apparel in all aspects of your life. Like you're not going to walk into a boardroom with a bunch of logos all over you. You want it subtle. You want it classy. You want it stylish. But at the same time, you don't want to have to change from your commute to the meeting to then working out. You should be able to do all those things at once. So our key differentiator was logo light. We're not going to have much logos, if any, but we're going to make really high quality stuff that is stylish, that can take you from all these different aspects of your day because everybody's day is different. 
But if we can make one really good piece, that's a t-shirt that could go through all aspects of your life. Great. We win. If we make these one pants that can take you from biking to on your commute to a bunch of meetings to then hiking with your friends without ever needing to change, we just made you so much more efficient. And I think that's where a lot of brands don't get it right because they're like, instead of that, instead of what I just described to you, we're going to make specific articles of clothing for each and every single activity throughout your day. And then you're left with so much stuff. And I think that's a big problem that we're facing today is that you just have too much stuff. And I think that's why people are so attracted to that Netflix show, The Art of Tidying Up with Mary Kondo. So we hit on a zeitgeist moment of how do we lessen how much stuff you have, just make better versions of it. Yeah. Real estate's getting more expensive. Apartments and houses are getting smaller. And then you have less storage space. It sounds like versatility was one of the brand pillars for you. As you were sitting down with the founding team, and you're not only thinking about what your brand is going to be, but then how that manifests itself, did you have a sense of what were going to be your most popular items? What did you focus on first? And then what did you find out after you launched? This was an interesting one and a fun one for us because we were creating a whole line and we're taking bets on what would be our flagship product. The overall consensus for us was that our flagship product was going to be our everyday pants. The pants that could take you from the commute all the way to hiking to your board meetings. They were so versatile. They looked like your everyday chinos, but they functioned in a way that had so much stretch and moisture wicking and water repellency. It's so much tech in there, but you would never guess it. And I think that was like one of our light bulb moments of, oh, you can make something that has all the functionality of your favorite track pants, but it doesn't look like you're going for a run while you're in a meeting. You can make them look really stylish and cool. That was our flagship product that we're like, all right, we're going to put a lot of investment in this. We're going to put a lot of storytelling into this. But what we found after launch was that the sales cycle for pants is a little bit longer because especially for a direct-to-consumer brand, you need to buy a bunch of pairs, understand your sizes, try them on, and then say, okay, this is the pair I go with. But once you try them on and understand how they fit, we probably have you because then you'll buy a bunch more. But that sales cycle is a lot longer. So we didn't see immediate returns from that um, until later. What we found was that essentials crushed. And the reason is, is because medium t-shirts are pretty standard across the board and everybody needs a t-shirt here and there. Socks. Socks flew off the shelves. So we found that the essentials were actually rising to the top when a lot of our investment and focus was on the pants. Not to say that the pants didn't catch up, but coming right out of the gate, I kind of say the gateway drug to Hill City was what was our essentials. And that was really surprising considering that's a really, really big marketplace. There's an interesting product marketing exercise here, which is, you know, as you're telling, pants might be the fit, but understanding what the life cycle is. What I know about apparel, and I'll preface this with I've never worked with apparel, but I've lived with a merchandiser for close to 10 years, that when men find a pair of pants, they stick with it for a long period of time, but it's nearly impossible to get them to find the right pair. Absolutely. It's so hard, especially because they can't walk into a store, try them on or try 10 different sizes on and say, okay... Of this brand, this is my pants. With a direct-to-consumer brand, you really have to articulate to them all the benefits of trying it on and all the benefits logistically that you have, whether that's free shipping, free returns. And we learned that really quickly of how do you incentivize trial? Because that's a barrier to entry for any direct-to-consumer brand. As you got to the point of launch, you've created a brand that's primarily focused on versatility. You've separated yourself from Gap Inc., from Athleta. You've looked at your competition. Talk to me a little bit about your distribution strategy. 
Athleta, sort of the sister brand of Hill City, is primarily brick and mortar. And you had the option, I assume, to either be in their stores, potentially even launch Hill City stores, but you stayed primarily digital. Why did you decide to go that direction in terms of your product distribution strategy? Higher targeting. When you're purely digital, you have the ability to target closer audiences to what you believe your psychographic is. But also, let's say something's not resonating. If you have stores in place, that takes months to fix. Or let's say you have out of home, that takes months to fix. With digital, that takes seconds. So you can augment your brand wherever the traffic is flowing, wherever the engagement's coming from. So digital was roughly around 90% of our strategy. That's not to say we didn't test other things like direct mail. Obviously, Athlete is a great direct mail brand. And I mean, hell, I've never done direct mail before. So I thought that was kind of cool. But digital just made sense for us. As a digital brand, your only place to shop is a website. So how do I create the cleanest line from you to the website as possible? So our distribution was skewed towards social, it was skewed towards email, it was skewed towards search. The last question I have for you today, as you look back on the pre-launch in terms of the brand development and positioning of Hill City, what would you do differently? I think the first thing that I would really do is articulate the value of a continued investment in brand. We met a lot of headwinds by saying, all right, you created the brand. It's done now. Like You don't need to maintain it. You've created it. It'll live on its own. I argue that the work of a brand marketer is never done because you're always refreshing the brand. You're always building onto the brand. So really articulating that at the highest levels, I think would have been something I would have done differently just because it probably would have given a lot more leeway. And hell, I probably would still be at Hill City, to be honest with you. I would have also put a lot more emphasis on growth. I think that growth came really organically at launch just because you had so much press and you had the power of gapping behind you. But the thing is that you're never done with growth. You're always prospecting. You're always looking for new audiences. And in order for you to do that, you need to have a good measurement model. So a big investment I would have made is figuring out that measurement model really, really in advance before launching because doing it on the fly was a bit painful. I think that's a great lead into our conversation for tomorrow, where we're going to talk a little bit about your go-to-market strategy. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Eric Toda for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Eric is going to tell us about his go-to-market strategy when launching the new brand inside of Gap Inc., Hill City. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Eric, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at Toda, T-O-D-A, or you can visit his website, which is erictoda.com. A couple of links I want to tell you about, which are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the second part of our conversation with Eric Toda, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio player, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. 
To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. That's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.